it's Jessica from Well Hello Disney. Thank you so much for joining us today. I am going to hop right into it because I want to try to keep this podcast under 30 minutes because I am guaranteeing you you're able to plan your Disney trip in 15 minutes, at least the outline of your Disney trip. So I am definitely throwing on my Mary Poppins hat today. You're getting down the business. We are going to plan, execute, and let me show you how simple it can be to planning your Disney vacation. So first, before we jump into planning, why does it feel like you need a master's degree to be able to plan a Disney vacation? Well, the main reason is there's so many options. Disney is the size of San Francisco. I don't know how many times I have to tell people how else to explain it. It is twice the size of Manhattan, the size of San Francisco. And when we go and visit those areas, we don't go with the intention of trying to do every single thing that city has to offer. Usually we're going with a specific agenda and we stick to that agenda. And anything else we see or do is a bonus, but we're going for a specific purpose and we hope to catch it next time. I know the absorbent cost of Disney is plays a little bit into that because you're like, you know, I'm paying thousands of dollars here and I want to get the most for my money. But what people don't realize that getting the most for your money doesn't necessarily mean doing the most stuff. It's about doing the most stuff that matters to your family. So if you learn anything from this podcast today, I really hope it is focusing on what is important to your family. Are you a Star Wars family? Are you in the Disney Junior phase? Are you in the Descendants phase? Which is probably the hardest one. That in between, that tween phase is really difficult because Disney really doesn't cater to that. So how do I build a trip and make it memorable for my kids that are, you know, 10 years old and they're kind of in the middle of that I'm not really Disney Junior, but I'm not really full out Star Wars yet type of fan. So today I'm going to break down the different categories that I use in planning. And then from there, I will teach you how to build your trip. Can you realistically build your entire trip in 15 minutes? No, it's not possible because there is so much information. But can you have a steady and sturdy outline of what your Disney vacation is going to look like in 15 minutes? Absolutely. Before we get started, there is one thing that I am not covering today, and that is budget. And budget is a very large part of your Walt Disney World trip. But the great thing about Walt Disney World is you can have a trip on all budgets. As long as you cover the cost of your park ticket, anything else is negotiable. Where you stay is negotiable, what you spend at the park, what you do for souvenirs, you can figure out different ways to maximize that time there. The only thing that is going to be pretty firm is the ticket prices for Walt Disney World, but there's also definite levels of tickets with that as well. So even though we're not addressing that, I know that that is kind of the umbrella to all of these things that I'm going to talk about today. So the first thing we're going to look at is picking that date. Yes, there's tons of crowd calendars out there. Obviously, I'm a frog friend, so Undercover Taurus has their own crowd calendar, and there are seasons that are less busy. You're going to find the park less busy in January. You're going to find the park less busy in September because everyone has gone back to school. 
Um, my favorite time is that week right after Thanksgiving because Christmas is in full effect, but everyone was just there for Thanksgiving. Also, February is going to be a little bit um, less crowded, but there's race weekends in there. So does a crowd calendar matter? Sometimes. Of course, it's always going to be a little bit more difficult to get reservations to those you know, high-demand restaurants if it's super crowded. But even with a full park, you can still execute a once-in-a-lifetime trip with the right planning. So pick a date that works for you, and it's going to allow you to stay the amount of days that you want to stay. I know school and sports and all of that can affect picking your date. We are a family that takes our kids out of school to go to Disney and for other vacations. So as long as we stay under our 10 days, we don't mind missing school, especially for a special family vacation. So your first step in all of this is going to be figure out a date that works for you and whoever is coming with you to Walt Disney World. Second step in your Disney planning is going to be book your resort. I know this is tricky and very overwhelming because Walt Disney World has four different categories of resorts just on their property alone. You're going to have your value resorts, moderate, your deluxe, and then your deluxe villas. Um, There are other options like Airbnbs, VRBOs, timeshares that you might belong to. There's also good neighbor hotels. There's good neighbor hotels with benefits. So there is just a lot of overwhelming options. With this choice, I always say take a look at your budget. If you want to stay on Disney property, you may be surprised at the price that you can get a room at Disney. So don't count out staying at Disney World just because it's assumed it's expensive. The value resorts do have great prices. And the great thing about Disney is every once in a while they will have these specials that pop up. For instance, our September trip, we're staying at Art of Animation in the car suite. We had booked it. We knew we wanted to stay there. We don't stay at the resorts that aren't DVC resorts very often. But I know my kids are going to love the theming of this car's room. Well, they ended up having a 25% off for Disney Plus uh, subscribers. And we are Disney Plus subscribers. And so we got that 25% off. So also look for deals um, that may help you with rooms if you want to stay inside the Disney bubble. I prefer to stay inside the Disney bubble. I've only been doing that consistently the last six years. We did just take a trip in August where we weren't in the Disney bubble, and it was a little different. We still had a great time, still were able to do everything we wanted to do, but we just prefer the Disney bubble. If the Disney bubble is not in the budget, or let's say that you are Hilton Diamond members and have a ton of point at points at Hilton Hotels. Definitely first look for the good neighbor hotels that have privileges. And what I mean by that is do they get early entry into the park? Because there's a lot of good neighbor hotels that get that 30 minutes before the park opens and that will help you also maximize your time at Walt Disney World. So step number two is book your resort. So we're still doing great on time. The next step is a little bit more complicated than it used to be. Not only do you have to buy a park ticket, but now the biggest change since reopening is you need to make a park reservation for that day. There's various reasons why they have this park reservation system in place. Whatever it is, it is not going anywhere, so you need to get used to also reserving your parks. 
What makes this a little complicated is the different options of tickets that Disney has to offer. You can get single day tickets. You can get tickets with park hoppers. There's also park hopper plus to include the water parks. So you just really have to do your research on what ticket is going to be the best for your family. Also, the price for the ticket goes down with each day that you book. But the caveat is you need an extra hotel room that's more food spent at the parks. So you're not really saving money overall. You're just saving money on those tickets. I personally do not recommend park hopping when you have young children, especially if to, if you have to fold up that stroller to head to another park, unless you're going for a specific reason. There are some times where we know we're going to do half a day at one park and then just catch a firework show at another park. But you want to make sure, is it worth spending the extra money to get a park hopper just for something like that? But usually on a first trip, if you have young children, I say you could probably skip the park hopper. If you have older kids, even if you're using a stroller, but let's say your youngest is like eight years old, um, then, you know, it's really up to you and what the goals are for your family. So step number three is going to be get those park tickets and make those park reservations. Our next step, how are you getting to Disney? So you need to plan for your transportation. We are a family that flies or drives. We mostly drive just because we have four kids and it's a lot easier to bring all the stuff that we want with us. But occasionally we do fly, which requires a different style of packing and reducing maybe some of the items that we typically bring. We also are DVC members, so we have owner's lockers down there that help us out with that. So you have to assess. There are some situations where you feel like maybe you have to fly and that's the only route that you can take. So you also have to consider, are you flying into MCO or a surrounding airport? When you fly to MCO, you have a lot of different options that can get you from the airport to the Disney resorts. When you're flying to the other airports, you may have to rent a car or take a private car to get to the Disney resorts. So that's also a cost that you want to consider when booking your transportation and figuring out what works for you. We also have rented a car, and when we do that, we usually rent through undercover tours and get our tickets through them, and there's a huge savings that way as well. So you want to weigh every option possible that will work within your budget when you're deciding your mode of transportation to Walt Disney World. So now we are just getting into the meat of the planning. We are going to talk about that 60-day window. So why is the 60-day window so significant? Well, this is when you can start booking your um, dining experiences and also your enchanted extras. And it really starts the beginning of actually planning your trip. Everything you've done up until now is just research, researching different options to meet characters, researching different things you can do on your rest day, researching Disney Springs, researching what restaurants are at the parks. Your 60-day window is really go time. That is when you can start booking. And if you don't get that booking at that 60-day window, you're going to be setting dining alerts so that you can hopefully get those reservations that you really want. So this is really the turning point of when you start to do the deep dive into planning Disney. So for your 60-day window, I always say have your top three priorities ready to go. So if you know it is Topolino's, um, you want to do Bippity Boppity Boutique, and let's say maybe you want to do like a fishing excursion um, through the rec department, you would definitely need to be ready to book those at 
6 a.m. at your 60-day window Walt Disney World time to ensure you're going to get them. A tip that I tell people, you're allowed, if you're on Disney property, to book for your entire stay. So you're going to have a better chance of getting the reservations you want further down in your stay because anyone who's not staying on Disney property has to book just for that one single day and call every day to book during their trip. So that is the perk of being on property. So if you want one of those high demand restaurants like Topolino's, it's best to book it later in your trip. You have a higher chance of getting it. Now it doesn't always work that way that it's available because it's such a popular restaurant, but it definitely is increases your chances. So here we are at the final step. We're starting to make a plan. So after your 60-day window has occurred, you can adjust any park reservations that you need to in your My Disney Experience app. They've also made it a little bit easier to modify those reservations in the app as well. But you want to always make sure that you check that the park that you want is available before you do any modifications. I know it would be a terrible thing if you were going to modify and then you cancel your reservation and the park does not have an opening anyway. But when you are starting to make your plan for each park day, you are going to pick your top three priorities for that day. Anything outside of that is a bonus. Will you do more than three things? Absolutely. We just did a whole week on Toddler Week, and I showed how with our um, two-year-old, we rode eight rides, watched three parades, watched a show, went to Harmony Barbershop, had um, lunch at the Contemporary at Chef Mickey's. So you're going to accomplish a lot more during that day. But it's always good to set your expectation and your priorities. So if you know that they are three absolute that you have to cover with your family, then you get those three things built into the day so they won't be missed and anything else is a bonus. The beautiful thing about Walt Disney World is it really feels like you're going on an adventure with your family and that whole day is an adventure at Magic Kingdom or Animal Kingdom and you're doing all these different activities. There really isn't any family bonding like that. So remember that when you're planning these days. The goal isn't to over-exhaust everyone. It is to make sure everyone gets to experience that one magical thing that they have really been looking forward to. Stay with us. We'll be right back. Hey, parents. Yeah, you. Are you looking for a podcast your kids will really love? Well, we made one just for you. And for us. As genuine, all-natural kids ourselves, we know what makes a fun and interesting podcast. So we decided to make it ourselves. Every show is packed with interviews, stories, and on-the-ground reporting. We have interviewed everyone from scientists to Grammy Award-winning musicians to NFL quarterbacks. Listen to Wild Interest wherever you get your podcasts. And then anything else is a bonus. Okay, so I made it under the 15 minutes and we covered picking your date, booking your resort, tickets and reservations, booking your transportation, your 60-day window, which is really the beginning of the planning because you're picking the experiences that you want to have. If you don't get them, you're going to be setting alerts for them so that hopefully you will get them as the date comes closer. And then your last step is actually making the plan for each day. Is it as easy as 15 minutes? Maybe not because there's a lot of research that goes into each of these categories. However, this is your general outline for booking your trip. 
So when you say to yourself, I want to go to Walt Disney World, but I don't even know where to start, this is where you start. One, pick a date that works for you and your family. It doesn't matter what the crowd calendars say because you're going to prioritize the things you want for your family anyway at the park. So find what works for you. Two, you're going to decide if you're going to stay on property or off property and what fits in your budget and what will help your family accomplish their goals. Three, you're going to get your park tickets and make your park reservations for the days that you want to be at the park. Always include a rest day pro tip, if especially if it's your first time. Also, if you want to have a rest day after Magic Kingdom, is always a good rest day because that will typically be your longest day. The next thing is booking your transportation. How are you getting to the Disney parks? Are you flying? Are you driving? If you're flying, what is your transportation from the airport to the resort or the resort that you are staying at? The next step is your 60-day window. You are going to plan for the extras that you want to do at Walt Disney World, different dining experiences that you want. Do you need to do dining experiences or have these enchanted extras? No. And if the budget is tight, this is where you can really cut out because the character meals are pretty expensive. Even with table, um, table service and choices, it can be a little bit pricey. So if you are... On a tight budget, maybe go ahead and cut out some of these extras. Disney has great theme park food. I always say their theme park food is like one step above theme park food because I actually like it and it's really good. So you don't necessarily need a character meal to make the trip. Those are things to splurge on. So just be mindful of your budget. And I understand not everyone has the same budget. And then your last step is going to be making a plan for each day that you are at the park. You will stop start with your top three priorities and then you will fill in the day from there. But you always want to make sure those top three priorities are accomplished because that leaves you with the feeling that, okay, you came to Animal Kingdom and let's say riding Flight of um, Passage, Avatar Flight of Passage was the one goal for you and you did that, you can feel accomplished for the rest of the day because you had that super magical experience. So for the end of this podcast, I'm going to take a deep dive into making a plan just to help you get started on that because I know that is the most overwhelming part of this. How do you plan your park days, even if you've picked your top three priorities? Well, if you go to the Well Hello Disney website, I do have each park map for every park in the United States. So I even have Disneyland and California Adventure, Typhoon Lagoon, and you can look at that map to help plan your day. That way you don't find yourself running all over the park. So you would pick your top three priorities, find out where they're located on this map, and you kind of build your day from there. I always recommend getting Genie Plus. My family always gets Genie Plus. Does it necessarily get you on more rides? I don't think so. I think that if you wanted to make the choice to wait in line during the day, we would probably come out even on rides or you might even ride maybe one or two rides more, but you would have spent your day in line where I would have spent my day experiencing Walt 
you know, whatever park that I was at at Walt Disney World instead of being in line. So that's why my family likes Genie Plus. We like the ability of just walking up to the lightning lane, getting on the ride, getting out and doing our next thing. We have it down to a science, so it's a lot easier for us. But we also have a genie guide with lots of pictures so that you can prepare yourself for a day with Genie Plus. But what we do is we say, okay, each kid picks one thing that they want to do that day. We build around that. So let's say we start in Tomorrowland. We'll accomplish everything in Tomorrowland using Genie Plus first unless we need a book like a really high demand ride like uh, seven doors mine train we would purchase the ill but we would schedule that ride for probably later in the day because we knew we were starting in tomorrow land so for me those maps are key because i want to know where i'm going before i get to the park there's nothing worse than using genie plus and just booking the next available ride realizing that you may be in Tomorrowland, but the next ride is in Liberty Square and you're having to hustle across the entire um, Magic Kingdom so that you can meet your Genie Plus time. That kind of wears you down and it makes the day less smooth and fun because you are adding all those extra steps in just to get these rides done. If this is a bucket list trip or a once every few years trip, I always also advise to add some kind of break in there. Sometimes it's not always possible to go back to your your resort. We stayed off property in August of 2022, and it is not that easy to head back to the parking lot and then go back to the resort and then come back to Magic Kingdom. So what we did is we scheduled a character dining experience at the Contemporary. So we left the park went there, had our dining experience. We actually lucked out because it was during the mid-afternoon thunderstorm, so we weren't even caught in the rain. And then we headed back to the park. That gave us a break in the middle of the day. We got off our feet for about an hour and a half to two hours, and then we were ready and re-energized to go to the park. Our toddler did end up napping another two hours later in the day, so we headed over to Columbia Harbor House, sat inside, just kicked up our feet, and kind of rested. And that was a priority to us because we wanted her to make it until Disney Enchantment. So there are places to rest in the park. You don't necessarily need to leave and have a break outside of the park, especially if you're not on Disney property. If you are on Disney property and in that bubble, it's a lot easier because your mode of transportation comes right to the front gates of the park. So it's a lot easier for you, but definitely take a break. I always say the people who don't take rest days or take a break at the park are usually annual pass holders because they can come and go as they please. And usually annual pass holders have been to Disney numerous times. So they're not trying to check off a very intense to-do list like the people who are traveling for this once-in-a-lifetime trip or a trip that, you know, is once every, you know, three to five years. So I hope today gave you a little bit of clarity on where to start with your Walt Disney World planning. There's a lot more to go into. You can head to the Well Hello Disney blog and check that out. You know, our Instagram page is always full of information, but I hope that this podcast today gave you a place to start and maybe helped you feel a little less overwhelmed. Walt Disney World is huge and it 
feels like a daunting task, but if we just simplify it down and break it up into these categories, it makes it a lot more manageable. So thank you so much for joining me again for another podcast, and I really hope that you'll be back soon. Have a magical day.